you are listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant congregation outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin. You can learn more about us at BethelCov.org. Thanks for listening. So I was, uh, Foster was riding my shoulders the other day, and out of nowhere, you know, we were standing in line, and he leans down and he says to me in this, like, very serious, very quiet voice, you know, we're, we're standing, we're at Chipotle, and he says, Dad, I say, yeah, he says, when I see games and toys on Oma's TV, it makes me want them. And I, I made him say it again because I wanted to take a video of it. <laughs> but, but I looked up at him and I was just like, yes, <laughs> that is why they're there, Foster. <laughs> because they hope that little boys like you will see those things and not be able to get them out of your head, you know? And just, you know, and I remember that feeling. I don't, I don't know about you, that, that Christmas feeling where you, you know, when I was a kid, we'd circle things in like the Toys R Us catalog. Um, and you'd think about that one gift that you just wanted so badly. And you would almost convince yourself, maybe not you, but me, uh, I would convince myself that that really would just sort of change my life, you know? Um, that, um, you know, video game or whatever it was that I wanted. I remember one year I wanted a Nintendo 64, and I was convinced it would just totally change my life if we got that. And it did, so... Uh, <laughs> You know, if, if we're being honest. Uh, but, but nowadays, you know, I, we don't, I, at least I don't have that feeling as much about, about certain things or the things that you have that feeling for are maybe a little bit more expensive <laughs> or a little bit more uh, difficult to get. Like sometimes during this time of year, the thing that I long for, the thing I think if I could only get this, things would be better, you know, is like time. <laughs> you know, if I could only get like an extra day, it would just be okay, you know. <laughs> Um, and, and I don't think uh, Foster's alone in longing for things, and I don't think uh, I am either. Uh, I, sometimes we, we get this idea that if there, we could just get this one thing, right, it would change everything. You know, if only my boss was not a jerk, right? <laughs> like, it would just solve the problem. Um, you know, if only my kids could just play by themselves for five minutes, <laughs> We could actually get something done. You know, if, if only I could have a free live-in housekeeper, my life would just be so much better. Um, and, and at Christmas, Christmas is kind of a season of, of longing, right? It's a season of, of wanting things. You know, we talk about, you know, our candles, right? Peace, love, joy, and hope. These are the kinds of feelings and the kinds of things that we hope to get out of this season. And, and sometimes Christmas is really hard, right? Because we know we're supposed to be feeling love, and we know we're supposed to be feeling joy or, or hope, and maybe because of stuff that's going on in our lives, or maybe because of anything else, we're just not feeling it, and that uh, makes it that much harder, right? It's, it's a lot easier to be uh, longing for something in July. <laughs> it's a lot easier to be uh, sad in July, because nobody's telling us that we have to be happy. Well, our, our scripture today um, in Matthew... Uh, is about a, a group of people, uh, and it happened, it happened 30 years after the first Christmas. We've been reading through Matthew together today, and it's, and it's really interesting because, um, you know, you have, 
Jesus is born, and then he, he escapes to Nazareth, or Egypt, and he goes back to Nazareth, and then um, it just changes completely. It just says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching. It just skips forward like 30 years. And so now, it's 30 years after the first Christmas, and there's a crowd of people, and they're uh, gathering in the desert uh, by this uh, river called the Jordan River. And they're hoping desperately for something to change. They're hoping for uh, their own if-onlys. Uh, you know, in their case, it's if only God would show up and get rid of the bad people and put the good people in in charge. If only God would come and undo the, the burdens that we're carrying. And the people that gather that Jordan River, you know, these are the, the ancestors of, of God's people. And they're wishing and dreaming that God would come and, and set them free. Um, and so just to, to set the scene, right, we've got, uh, we'll just go, go ahead and read the first few verses. So John 3, 1 through 6, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Um, and so here's the scene, right? Here's John the Baptist, and John is wearing um, clothes that make it look like he's been camping out in the desert for the last many months, because he has. Uh, John is eating, he's eating bugs and wild honey because he's living in the desert. And he's proclaiming this message, right? You know, uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. And somehow, um, that message is so compelling that people are coming a very long way to listen to this you know, I don't want to be crazy here, but this, like, this guy that looks like a nut and is screaming in the middle of the desert, for some reason people are coming. And, and again, it's because people know something's not right and they're longing for help. And John is telling them that help is on the way. So he's standing in the desert at the Jordan River in, in ancient Israel. Um, the Jordan River is kind of like Plymouth Rock might be for us. You know, if Plymouth Rock is the first place that, uh, you know, settlers came to the United States, the Jordan River is where uh, their ancestors crossed into the land of Israel um, when God brought them to this place in the first place. So they're kind of hoping for a reset, that God is going to again come into Israel. So they're waiting for God at the Jordan River with John. And these regular people are gathered and these religious leaders, because John is, is saying some, some interesting stuff, I guess. And, and his message is, is this. You know, it's very simple. It's repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Um, and, you know, those are kind of churchy words, and we don't talk about repenting very often. And maybe when you think about it, I know for me, I think of like saying sorry or feeling bad. Um, but the the way the Bible thinks about repent uh, has to do with the word turning or turn around. Like what John is saying is, is literally just turn around. He's encouraging people to, to change their minds and to change their lives because something huge is about to happen. And what John says that thing is, right, the kingdom of heaven is coming near. And this is confusing too, right? But because, uh, you know, we don't live in a, in a kingdom, but if you grew up in Matthew's day, you knew that you lived under an earthly kingdom, right? The kingdom of Rome. Uh, the kingdom of Rome is who made sure you paid your taxes. The kingdom of Rome is who had these mean guys everywhere to make sure you didn't do anything wrong. The kingdom of Rome was the kingdom that would come and crush you if you ever stepped 
out of line. And so John is saying, uh, or yeah, John is saying the, um, the kingdom of heaven, a different kind of kingdom, a kingdom that comes from heaven is coming to earth. Um, one way of saying it is like, like John's saying, uh, heaven is about to invade so you'd better turn around. Um, you know, and so like if you're, you're here in your kingdom, like if, if Canada was going to invade, <laughs> they, would, they would send their armies and we'd say the kingdom of Canada has come. This is exactly what John means. That a kingdom is coming to this land and it's God's kingdom from where God lives in heaven. And you get a choice. You can either uh, defect from the kingdom of earth and join the kingdom of heaven or, or not. And, you know, another way to put it maybe is like if you ever um, were maybe not the best kid in school, nobody, everybody here was perfect, but, you know, like the teacher leaves and it's like chaos in the classroom for a little while. Uh, Now imagine the teacher had been gone for several hundred years (laughs) and you'd created this whole system and, and people were doing their own thing and acting however they wanted. And then somebody was standing in the corner saying, guys, the teacher is coming back, (laughs) You better sit down at your desks. You better turn around. That's what's going on here. Heaven is about to invade. God is coming back to earth. You'd better make sure you're facing the right way because if he catches you uh, facing the wrong way, there's, there's going to be trouble. That's, that's what John is, John is trying to say. And people are they're responding to this message um, overwhelmingly. They're coming from all over to come step down into that Jordan River, the same place their great-great-great-great-grandparents came into Israel. Uh, they're coming to step down in that river, and John is dipping them under the water as a sign of their repentance. They're confessing the ways that they've lived according to earthly kingdoms and saying, I want to be like a heaven kingdom person. So he's baptizing them in the water. They, they get it, and they're coming from all over. Uh, and we're not going to get into this too much, but, but the religious leaders at the time are there too. And we don't know exactly what they're doing, but they're watching, and John kind of calls them out. He says, what are you guys doing here? You've been leading people the wrong way. You know, how dare you? Um, but, so this is the message. And to sum it up again, um, here we'll read a couple more verses. Verse 10 through 12. I don't think I have a slide for this, but this is what John says. When he's thinking about this kingdom, heaven's coming, he says, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I baptize with water, just wait. The one who's coming, he's going to baptize with fire. And then he says this, you know, it's an agricultural term. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hand, uh, and he'll clear this threshing floor, gathering all the wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff in unquenchable fire. Uh, and a winnowing fork, it's this tool that they'd use uh, on the threshing floor, and they'd literally scoop the grain and toss it in the air, and the wind blows all the not good grain stuff away, all the chaff away. The grain falls down to the ground. So he's saying, this guy who's, who's going to baptize in fire, he's going to separate out all the good people uh, from the people that are living according to the kingdom of earth. And, and some of them are going to end up in the fire, and some of them are going to end up in the barn. And so John's saying, get ready, turn. This is what John has in mind. This is what John is imagining. Um, and this is, his, this is his mission, right? He's dedicated his life to this. He's wearing camel hair clothes and eating bugs because he thinks this is the most important thing because he thinks God spoke to him, right? This is why he's here. So everybody's coming, and, and they're just ready. And John's excited. You know, John is saying, God's rule is invading. 
Judgment is coming, so you'd better, you'd better turn around. And then exactly what John is predicting, what John is hoping for, what John is there to prepare people for, it happens. Uh, God shows up at the Jordan River. Uh, so the story continues um, with verses 13 through 17. It says, Then Jesus came up from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness, uh, to, to do what, what God wants. Uh, then John consented. John doesn't want to baptize him, but John gives in and baptizes him. And it says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Uh, so, so God shows up, right, in the person of Jesus. And John, who's been preparing his whole life for this moment, who's been trying to get everybody ready, heaven is coming, turn around, repent. Uh, John is confused, <laughs> Right? He says, baptize me. And John's like, whoa, what are you talking about? Uh, John is expecting fire, right? He's expecting power. He's expecting judgment. He's hoping that God will come like a king of the earth and kill all the bad guys and put the good guys on top. And for some reason, he doesn't. John is expecting the kingdom of heaven is going to take power like old kingdoms always do through violence and strength. But instead what happens, and this this bothers John so much that you'll notice as we keep reading Matthew, um, later on in the gospel, John will send disciples to Jesus to ask if he really is the Messiah, right? John, who stood there in the water with him, uh, will be like, are, are you sure he's the Messiah? So John struggles with this because instead of coming with a, a fork and fire and destruction and wiping out all of his enemies, Jesus lowers himself to the crowd's level, Instead of even standing next to John and saying, yeah, repent right now. And Jesus will say repent uh, later on. But the first thing he does is he lowers himself to the level of the people coming for baptism. He bows his head. He submits to John's baptism, even though he's the only one on earth that doesn't need to turn around. Jesus shows in that moment what the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of God, what God's reign on earth looks like. And it's surprising. Um, and, and Matthew is dedicated to showing us how different that rule is than we might expect. Because it turns out, and this is what I personally found so comforting about Matthew 3, it turns out that even John the prophet, even John who's calling everybody to turn around, even John who's been closer to God than maybe anybody in hundreds of years before Jesus, John needs to repent. Because while his message is true, he still misses what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Because what Jesus is doing is so new that even the prophet has to turn around to get it. 
And it's kind of strange that Matthew would put this in this gospel, but it's making a point. And, and the point is this, that um, what G, again, what Jesus does is so different, is so surprising. And is, if you stick with us this year and you read through Matthew with us, you'll find this happens over and over again. Jesus will do something and it just doesn't fit with who they think Jesus should be. Um, Jesus does something that is is so different than the old world expects that, that everyone, even the prophet, has to totally change his mind to get it. And so the, the message of, of Matthew for, for us today, I think, here is, is simple. Um, you know, and a lot of times in, in life I do this. I, I tend to think that if I could get one more thing in my life, it would make things better. Or if I could get somebody else to think a little differently, um, then maybe things would, would be better, right? Um, if I could um, just change somebody's, somebody else, if somebody else would just stop being a, a jerk, right? Then things would be okay. Uh, but the message of Matthew here is simple. It's not others who don't get it. It's not uh, those people that need to change to be a part of God's kingdom. The message of Matthew is simple. It's, it's me that has to change to understand God's kingdom. The message of Matthew is simple. I am the one that needs to turn around. You know, sometimes in, in life, and I think I'm feeling this way right now, and a lot of us maybe are feeling this way at different times, we kind of get this in our head, you know, and like the world, right? Like things are crazy, like, things seem really bad, and, and you know, it, it's kind of like we're saying, you know, the world, and I've had this conversation with people, like, oh, did you hear about how, you know, you know, insulin costs like a million dollars to buy now, or, or whatever it is, or the, the political stuff we were talking about earlier, whatever it is, and we, and we say, like, the world, like, it's just going to hell because of these people, right? These people, like, the world is just going to hell because of this, but but the gospel says the exact opposite. Uh, the gospel says that uh, the world isn't uh, going to hell because of them. In fact, heaven is invading earth. And the person that needs to change, the person that I need to focus on, isn't what they're doing or what he's doing or what she's doing, but what I'm doing. The gospel says heaven is invading earth, and I'm the one who needs to turn around I think it's easy to go through life, and, and hopefully you don't do this, but I know I do. It's easy to go through life so focused on the shortcomings and the problems of other people. You know, of our close friends, our family members, of the people that we bump into in negative ways, or people that we don't even know that we think about a lot. It's so easy to go through life so focused on the shortcomings of others, their, their blind spots, how they can't just get that thing figured out, their mistakes, their, um, their fears, their problems <laughs> that they seem to put on us. We can get so focused on everybody else and everything else, our, our current circumstances or whatever, um, and we can think, you know, God, if you would just change them, it would be okay. But God doesn't want to change them. He wants to change you and he wants to change me because I'm the one that needs to turn around. So I think our call and, and my encouragement this season is you prepare for, for Jesus to come and as I prepare to celebrate his coming, I, I encourage you... Um, when you run into trouble, ask, uh, how is God trying to change me in this? 
I know what's wrong with, with them. It's always really easy to see what's wrong with other people, right? Am I the only one? <laughs> no, it's easy to see what's wrong with them, but, but when you run into trouble, when you run into conflict, when somebody says something or does something that just gets you so hot, <laughs> ask God, what are you trying to teach me in this? How do I need to turn in this, Lord? When the circumstances in your life are driving you crazy and you just, if you're like me, you just can't get that peace that you're supposed to have in the Christmas season. You're just running like crazy and it's because of everybody else's expectations, of course. Um, Take a minute and say, God, what are you trying to say about me in this moment? What do I need to turn from? And what do I need to turn to? And I think if you start asking that question during the season, as we get ready for Jesus to come, what do I need to turn from? And God, what do you want me to turn to? You might find that God will surprise you. He might uh, teach you things that you didn't think were possible. He might challenge your opinions on things. He might challenge uh, how you acted with that person when you were pretty sure you were right and pretty sure they were wrong. Because... um, Turning around is, is hard, right? Uh, repenting is, is hard. Admitting that I did something wrong and trying to live differently, it's, it's hard. Because, you know, we're invested in the way we think about the world. We're invested in, in our way of, of life. It, it's embarrassing to say we were wrong. It's scary because is God really going to take care of me if I follow in this different way? And so it's easier to just solve other people's problems. But God is coming, The kingdom of heaven uh, came to earth 2,000 years ago, and and what Matthew will tell us, what the gospel tells us, is that in that moment, um, when Jesus hung on the cross and died, and when he rose again from the dead, in that moment, it might have looked like a death, but it was actually Christ taking the throne. Uh, Matthew will teach, and the Bible teaches that, that Jesus actually already rules the world, even though it doesn't always feel like it. Because God has come, and he's coming The kingdom of heaven is here, and he wants to make us new. And the only way to freedom is uh, is to turn towards that kingdom and accept the sacrifice that Christ made on our behalf. And as we turn, you'll find that you'll wake up the next morning, and you'll probably need to turn again. And you'll wake up the next morning and you'll be like John and you'll think, I thought this was how life was supposed to be. I thought this is what God wanted for me. I thought this was true. But, but the more I pray, the more I ask God, the more convinced I am that I need to turn again. And over the course of your whole life, you'll find God doing that in your life. But the first step is accepting what Jesus has done and, and letting it turn you. So would you pray with me this morning? Lord God, you sent your light into a very dark place, into the world that we live in now, and it's not hard for us to see the darkness. It's not hard for us to see the darkness, to see the darkness in each other, to see the darkness in in others, to see the darkness close by and the darkness far away, and and even the darkness in ourselves, it's not hard to see. But your light came into that darkness, and the darkness couldn't snuff it out. And so we praise you for that. And on that day uh, when you died on that tree, and when you rose again from the dead, you defeated evil and darkness. On that day, the kingdom of earth, though it still thinks it's in charge, is no longer ruling. 
On that day, your kingdom and your rule came in on earth. You invite us to lay down uh, our own attempts to get there, our own attempts to be perfect or whatever, to lay down that and to trust in the sacrifice of your son and to allow your Holy Spirit to turn us around, to transform us into the people you'd like us to be, the people that you made us to be. So God, help us to accept what you've done and turn along with your kingdom. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from Bethel Covenant Church. We're an evangelical covenant church outside Ellsworth, Wisconsin, and you can find out more about us at BethelCov.org.